I'm Lin-Manuel Miranda, and you're listening to Hard Knock Life. I'm back. Thank you for holding it down once again. It's like I'm always taking breaks. Thank God you guys are around. Yeah, we had fun, I think. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. It's what we do. It was cool talking about Suicide Squad and going to concerts and all of that stuff. <laughs> I was in the middle of hiking a mountain, so I wasn't around to partake in the conversation, but you guys had an amazing one. You know, shout out R.I.P. Milton. Milton. Oh, Milton. Milton. Wait, who's Milton again? <laughs> he who's Milton? He was driving a van, right? Wait, yes. you're not Milton? I thought you were Milton. <laughs> I just love that whole entire scene. <laughs> I mean, Bloodsport is so little known in DC fandom circles. I think he might as well be Milton. You know, as they <laughs> argue, like Milton is just about as popular a thing as Bloodsport, and I just mean that in the sense that Bloodsport is just a very minor character. I think I'm not I being. I didn't even think he was a real fan. character. I didn't know he was real. They made him up. I thought they made him up because, you know, when Idris was first announced like two years ago, I think even Sean wrote a piece like everyone assumed he was just replacing Will Smith as Deadshot. Yeah. There are moments in the movie where it's like, oh, he was just replacing Deadshot because some of it plays out as if like I could see had Will Smith come back, he would have just been this character mm-hmm. and they, they wouldn't have to create or bring in blood sport you know like well, the, de- the the father of the heart of gold all you know buried deep inside this like assassins yeah very <laughs> similar character i mean they just didn't want to do deadshot but fortunately dc has a bunch of characters who are like villains who are basically guys with high-tech guns so it's not like <laughs> a big leap for them to go sideways and find another one who happened to be blood sport right right I'll, I'll, i will mention one thing about this set visit that was i'm not sure if this is a thing that should be mentioned but <laughs> we'll just try it so when we were at the set visit and just learning what all the characters were we got the impression that idris elba was vigilante mm-hmm. did you also remember before it was confirmed which characters that people are talking, oh, Vigilante is going to be in Suicide Squad? I think so. And I, I, I think even in your set report, you mentioned, like, you had seen hints of characters like Vigilante and yeah. others. So, I'll just say this. I didn't know it was Bloodsport. They didn't say Bloodsport once in mm. the set list. It's possible it was Vigilante, and then they changed it to Bloodsport for some reason. Mm. Because, again, they're both guys with guns, so it's, it's not too hard. Yeah. Anyway, that, that, was a little, that was a little strange thing. Anyway, at Vigilante and Bloodsport, all, neither of these guys are like A-list DC characters, so it doesn't really matter. But um, Vigilante is going to be in the, in the Peacemaker series. And I think maybe that's why they decided to go against and, and just add a whole new character, because they knew they were doing Peacemaker and wanted to bring in Vigilante. And Vigilante has yeah. a little bit of a higher profile just because he was a villain on arrow i believe for yes, for a season right. yes. so yeah because i think from a script standpoint when they wrote it they were like okay we're going to bring back will smith because i think there are just a lot of sure. things in the structure of of that character's arc that i again i could very much see will smith being there mm-hmm. and yeah playing that and that just be Deadshot, right and i think once will smith backed out instead of like rewriting the whole script it was like well let's just like to your point find another guy with a gun and give him a daughter yeah. <laughs> and and make his like whole redemption arc being like having this paternal instinct with one of the other characters in this case, Ratcatcher, right? Like mm-hmm. 
that's kind of very much like a Will Smith, specifically the Deadshot, like yeah. version of Deadshot that I could see, you know, making this probably tie more into the original. So it look, feels more like a sequel had Will Smith come back. And I think once he was like, I ain't coming back to this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, well, let's not change the script. Let's just find another guy with a gun and, and then bring him in. And that's how we got Bloodsport. But can I say the irony of that is that I think that's probably exactly right. But can we say that that Deadshot arc with the daughter and everything, was that more satisfying in this movie than it was in First Suicide oh, Squad? Oh, for sure. I mean, for they sure. did it better. <laughs> that kind <laughs> of very similar this. story. <laughs> right. Yes. They had a very similar story, but they did it like a lot better. Like that Storm Reed character is a lot more fun than the first Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, again, not the same character, same type of character. Yeah, basically James did everything better, even if it was already kind of established in the first or yeah, it's not really a reboot. Yeah, yeah, I don't get the whole like, you know, controversy is too strong a word, but like the whole question of is this a reboot? Is this like, yes, it's clearly a sequel. I don't understand why why it's so hard to like think of it as a sequel just because you know, like the tone is different, but so is Birds of Prey. Like there, I can see a straight line from the first Suicide Squad to Birds of Prey to the Suicide. Like, you yeah. know, it's almost like a Harley Quinn trilogy, right? Like, you could yes. see those three movies existing in the same chronology. They do, to me. So yeah, why is it so hard to wrap your head around, like, this is the sequel, this is... And, and I think it might be because, you know, nowadays, sequel means it must continue a storyline, whereas, like, in the past, a sequel is just the second movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Batman Returns has literally nothing to do with the first Batman, but it's a sequel. No one's like, does Batman Returns exist in the same universe as the uh, original yeah. Batman? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like Terminator 2, like, is that, it's yeah. like, those are all just like, this is an old school sequel in that, like, it's another movie with the same characters, the same actors having another adventure. And yeah, that's exactly. cool. Yeah, not, like you said, not everything needs to be a little uh, episodic, like, uh, you know, the Star Wars movies, for example. Like, that doesn't need to be that way in order to be a sequel. Right. I like What's it. the Suicide Squad's grand plan? They didn't have a grand plan. You know, I'm like, fuck that. It didn't have to be a Suicide uh, Squad. No, plan. no, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, I don't. I was like, I don't even want to get down the road of, like, Star Wars versus what they did. I was like, no, that's not too that. That, today. that that would be a big tangent at this point. I can sense already. I think, yeah. this, but I think the Star Trek analogy is still very good. Like the first Star Trek movie, the Star Trek motion picture, uh, was not that good. I think that's like the first Suicide Squad movie. But the second one wasn't like in a different universe. It's the same people. It's just right. they did it a lot better. <laughs> so I, I think the motion picture versus the Wrath of Khan analogy very much applies in the case of this Suicide yeah. Squad. And, and I think we just need to be less precious about, like, these movies, right? Like, the, let the, you know, not everything has to be a cinematic universe or a cinematic multiverse, right? Like, they can just exist as films again, because, like, again, that's how, like, movies usually were for, for 100 years. And, and not everything had to be, like, chapters in a larger grand story. And, and I think it's exactly. all the better for it. I feel like it works with Star Wars more than any of the other franchises. Marvel, just they kind of a little bit perfected it but not everyone needs to do that like mm-hmm. you said it's it, not every film is going to lend itself to that type of form of storytelling like obviously with that monster universe they try to create with <laughs> universal studios yeah. like you, it's not going to work for everything and that doesn't mean that you can't have successful movies or franchises you just not everything needs to be a shared a universe yeah like, is this the canon mummy? Was Does that mummy relate to the <laughs> other mummy? Does that relate to the Scorpion King? Come on. No. 
Well, I think that's also like proof of nerds taking over mainstream culture because I don't think, you know, Star Trek is another great analogy because like as as episodic as Star Trek is, I feel like Trekkies were the first to really like dive into like the nitty gritty of continuity and making sure. sure that like everything from the original series through at this point Picard and Discovery like all line and I think you know and I, and I say this as someone's like continuity doesn't matter but like one of the reasons it's hard for me to get into the newer Star Trek is that I'm like well that doesn't make sense in the original <laughs> yeah, series yeah. timeline <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean like Enterprise is like why are they all you know well, well, because Star Trek fandom imprints that on you because I think you're yeah. right I think they were the fandom that was most most dedicated about that and that was kind of the allure yeah but of course they had to buck and sway whenever a new movie comes out and they're like oh kelvin universe and this is you know our <laughs> our new reboots simply because we can't cast those old guys anymore right but i also love how like back in the day in deep space nine for example they they did an episode where where cisco and the crew actually went back into the timeline of the original series and you know they kind of forced gump themselves into like an episode i think it was the uh the triple episode one. no it was like it was great it was like during like the 20th anniversary of star trek so each each uh, show on the air at the time had like a special throwback episode, and the Deep Space Nine one is they inserted themselves into like the trouble with Tribbles. Oh, right on. And you know they they actually, I mean they do it in a joking manner, but like they they mention it like the Klingons don't have ridges on their foreheads, and yeah. and Worf is like, <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't. And like, why does everything look so Confusing. like kitschy and retro? It's like, well, this is just like. I think Dax picks up an old tricorder and she's like, oh, I miss the patent leather of these, you know, this old technology right. as if like the 23rd century kind of had this like 60s aesthetic in the 20th. You know what I'm saying? It was just kind of like the, 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 the cheap sets were intentional. That's just what like future technology 200 years from now looks like. And That's I don't really know. I just awesome and funny. <laughs> I, yeah. Trouble Trouble is a classic too. And I, I believe in TV tropes, they call that lamp shading where if a continuity thing is just not going to make sense, you just call it out and make a joke of it. And right. it's fine. Then. <laughs> Can I say one more thing about the James Gunn thing? I'm sorry. Just because uh, I know. Yeah, let's put a button week. on that. Yeah. Whatever else you think about James Gunn, I, I realize that they're going to keep coming to him to do these big comic book movies because when he picks the very obscure characters, Correct me if I'm wrong, you don't get the aggravated fandom coming out on Twitter worrying about whether they will do a character right or not, right? <laughs> like, no one was complaining, oh gosh, I hope they do Polka Dot Man right, <laughs> because no one cares. So by picking obscure characters, he at least sidesteps that weird, you know, Twitter ranting that always happens whenever they announce a character who's more beloved. There's, yes, but is there's that always that one person, though, who's like, actually, and you know <laughs> sure. what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah, always yeah, that right. one person who's like, no one cared about this character until, you know, James Gunn picked up his characters. So it's very interesting to see people, like, still do that, even with obscure characters. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, relatively less. I know there's one yeah, person less. out there who it's is, less, yes. who is like, oh my god, they didn't do Polka Dot Man right. Or, oh my god, they didn't do, I still don't even know what Mongal is. But, oh my god, they didn't do Mongal true to the comic I loved. And for that one person, you are a very dedicated fan. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. But you know what I mean? It's so much different from like, god, I just hope they do Batman right according to my feeling of what Batman is. Right, you know? right. right. No, Justice for Blackguard. <laughs> did he do blackguard right i don't know did did he live up to blackguard as we as we envisioned I, I, in our hearts? I was just joking because i like pete davidson so i was saying justice for blackguard 
Yeah, true. <laughs> Why couldn't he get the HBO series, right? Right? I, 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 they can resuscitate him. They just have to sew his face back on. <laughs> <laughs> I know you said that was going to be the end, uh, but but one more thing about Suicide Squad is, you know, we kind of referenced in a sideways way, the Peacemaker show. Like, as great as John Cena was in the film, and I thought he was absolutely hysterical, you know, the end credit scene sets up the Peacemaker series. I still don't know that I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to watch the Peacemaker series. Good like, God, no. I'm intrigued, but it should have been Rick Flag. I'm sorry. They should have well, brought Rick Flag back. Rick Flag mm. with the with the giant shard in his heart. I don't mm. think would be would be a good uh They candidate. can do it. They can bring it back. <laughs> they can. They have the technology. They can bring back anybody. It's comic books. I think what you said last week, Brittany, is was what I want. Let's bring let's bring HBO spinoff from Birds of Prey and bring Journey back as oh, Black yeah, Canary because that, that, that's the that show I want more than with. anything. Like I would love that, and also still have like Rosie Perez too as Renee Montoya and have them both on the show. Like that would be such a great show. Yeah, Hell, let's let's do an actual Birds of Prey show. Bring in Mary Elizabeth Winstead so yeah. she could be the Huntress, and let's just give us the Birds of Prey. I'll get to this nerd popping, but we have a, an Oracle in the Titans universe we can port her over into the birds of prey series as well and have her actually be yeah. oracle so like I'm, I'm all down for that and and again we keep saying we're going to end the suicide squad talk i did want to shout out adonis gonzalez on the website he did a great piece about how a lot of the praise that's rightfully given to james gunn for kind of like reinterpreting the dc universe bringing this new aesthetic into the dc universe which was previously grimdark Zack snyder bvs you know whatever that should be the praise Kathy Ann got a year ago. Yep. And no one said anything about Kathy Ann's reinvention of the DC universe. And and as yeah. the Birds of Prey like official stand podcast, we, we want to shout out Adonis for that point too, because we yeah, Kathy Ann deserves all of the credit for that kind of tonal shift. I think you said something on Twitter, Dominic, about her version or vision of the DC universe was as beautifully terrible or terrible terribly what did you call it? Like Well, I just was quoting the Warner Brothers PR machine, which decided to go hard with this from the horribly beautiful mind of James Gunn, mm. both, you know, in light of his public image and to as if saying, you know, this is a this is a weird director's auteur vision of this movie. And that's why it'll be a little, little different. And that's fine. That's a PR thing. You got to you got to do your job, PR people. But that kind of talk is so like it's like the old school sexist way of like, oh, my God, this white guy is such a visionary his all his weird things are like really beautiful in movies and well you know women do that too kathy ann was as horribly a beautiful visionary force on birds of prey as as with a suicide squad this is and this this is a both and thing but you right, just right. know that it's when they give accolades they're it's very old school to just like celebrate the white guy director and the woman director, the non-white director, is like, oh, maybe her take is just kind of weird, and we don't like it. Right? What? If, maybe it's horribly beautiful. Like, yeah. Why, yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever think about that? Yeah. No. I like you guys. I really love Birds of Prey, and I think Kathy Ann. She like she did it. The movie was amazing, and it really just sucks. Like you were saying that they did not PR that movie the same way, and then. You know, we were starting early stages of the pandemic too, mm-hmm. so it just it. Ugh. That movie is so great, and I just feel like so many people wrote it off as like, oh, it's a girl movie, or like, right. oh. And then what I think didn't help was that it was rated R, and that it was fronted as like a girl movie, and then little girls weren't able to see it because of that. So I feel like 
all of that kind of hindered the movie, but it's a great movie. And I think a lot of people need to give it another chance and watch it and really pay attention to it because it's such a fun movie. It's good. And there's so many great character moments in that film. I think it'll get some sort of resurgence as uh, hopefully this uh, discourse continues. Yeah. And it's not as hard an R as the Suicide Squad, right? Like, no. Kids can, kids can actually, I think it's suitable for like teenagers at least because like there isn't anything that's gratuitous i mean no one's face gets blown off no one's head you know they 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 kind of hint at someone's face getting cut off but they don't actually show it the way they do in like suicide squad where like literally pete davidson loses his beautiful mug (laughs) that was for you uh (laughs) and and in in birds of prey it's really just like f-bombs is the reason for black card yeah i mean we haven't really talked about this at all in terms of streaming i mean what do ratings even matter anymore now right. it's just can you get your kid you know looking away from the screen at the right time what, right, right what does a rating matter when it's like streaming right into your home yeah yeah <laughs> quick aside since you mentioned streaming it it fills me with tremendous sadness that if you log into the kids version of hbo max like you could create yeah. a kids profile yeah. like it still has the hubs that like the regular hbo max has so it has like a Cartoon Network hub. It has a Miyazaki hub, right? But it doesn't have a DC hub. Like, okay, I don't understand that. Like, how can you, you know, I get that like DC has so many like R-rated content now. Like Titans is R-rated. Suicide Squad is R-rated. Birds of Prey, yada, yada, yada. But like the, the fact that you can't go into the kids profile and just have a hub of DC content that's kid friendly just i don't know it just makes me sad there is d there is like kid friendly d like static there is, that's what i'm saying there's kid friendly dc content but it's not hubbed together under a dc logo the way it is in the on the uh, quote-unquote adult side because can i guess you watch static shock on the kid side at least yeah yeah it? you can oh, watch okay. all the dc content it's just that like it's not grouped together what i'm saying is that, like it's just sad that when i when i go to the hubs in the kid version it's just like looney tunes cartoon network and studio ghibli and it's like why isn't there a DC hub? Because there's like tons of DC content that's just for kids. But it's just the kind of like, I, I guess DC just doesn't want to f- be associated with like kids stuff. And it just makes me well, sad. Well, if because... they don't want to be associated with kids stuff, then what was the issue with Batman going down on Catwoman? <laughs> um, there you go. Right? Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. <laughs> like, what, what's the issue then if you're not going to like be associated right. with kids stuff? Yeah. We're all adults here. We can talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I I feel like w- whether you you might have gotten, you know, the wrong impression. One could have gotten the wrong impression from Space Jam. But I believe that DC Hub is like the proportion is overwhelmingly not for kids stuff. Can we say that? Is that fair to say? Like when I scroll through that hub, I'm like, and this is violent. This is violent. <laughs> Even most of the animated ones are the, you know, adults. Yeah animated ones the, the proportion of kid-oriented dc stuff on that sub is relatively small but you could but what i'm saying is that like you can i'm sure there's an algorithm that's smart enough that if a if a kid was on the kid only profile in their parents hbo max account and wanted to watch all of the dc stuff in one place i think there's an algorithm that could just filter out oh yeah no, they, they definitely could make one and, they yeah, definitely yeah that's make all one. i'm saying I, i'm just I'm just remarking on what the normal DC hub looks like, and this if you filter if you put that one filter on, you'd be down to like five or six things. It's just all the it's all the Lego stuff and all the DC superhero girls. Yeah, stuff. but 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 it's also like Super Friends, and I don't know. It's just it, it's it's a pointless thing to be upset about, and I'm not upset I, I, about I it. It's so. just I think I'll roll that out eventually. I'm 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 just sad that like 
you know, I used to fantasize as a kid about before the era of streaming, like DC Comics should have its own channel on cable, like the DC mm-hmm. channel that would just air DC content 24-7 back when cable channels existed because now no one watches cable anymore. But I used to think like there's so many things, so many shows, so many movies that you could, and cartoons, you could just have a, a cable network dedicated to DC stuff. In like Saturday mornings and after schools would just be like all the cartoons and then maybe at night you'd have a movie and then, you know, reruns of Lois and Clark and basically what HBO Max is, right? Like the DC hub yeah, on HBO right. Max. We're, we're on the long winding road towards them getting to that thing. You talk, I mean, right, right. It's, it's kind of what I fantasize about. Now it's just yeah. on demand, right? Like you can just watch whatever yeah. you want. You don't have to schedule at three o'clock Super Friends at four o'clock, you know, Batman yeah. the Animated Series, seven o'clock Lois and Clark or whatever, right? You can just watch whenever. You could create your own schedule. <laughs> yes. And if I was a nerdy kid that had all the time in the world, I would do that probably. Like, yes. oh, it's four o'clock. I need to watch Batman the Animated yeah. Series. No, I mean, and they have basically kind of what you were talking about with the Warner Brothers Associated Cable Shows. For those of us who still watch, have a regular cable package, right? You know, sometimes like it's it's usually a marathon of all the DC stuff, and sometimes right, right, it's all right. the kid stuff, like the Lego stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I think that's really cool. That's I just I mean, wish again. we had HBO Max when we were doing DC TV classics. And oh, it made well, our that lives would be right. so much easier. Yeah, it would have been right. so easy. Totally. So easy. But anyway, let's let's get off of DC and let's move <laughs> on to Warner Brothers because I think the other interesting thing about you know, when we were talking about Birds of Prey and Suicide Squad is that those two movies kind of bookend the pandemic. That, as you said, yeah. you know, Birds of Prey was the last movie for many of us pre-pandemic that we it saw in theaters. And because of not only the PR and marketing of that movie, but I think because of the emerging pandemic that hit the box office really bad. Same thing's happening with Suicide Squad. Where Suicide Squad comes out, it's the tail end of the first version of the pandemic. We're now we're at the beginnings of, you know, the sequel or reboot of coronavirus with the Delta variant. And the box office for Suicide Squad hasn't been great, right? Like, that's one of the things you guys didn't get a chance to talk about last week was the actual reception. I think when you were recording, it was still wasn't sure how big a hit it was going to be. And then it turned out, like... It was an underperformer. It only made like twenty million dollars at the box office. And it off. underperformed on HBO Max less than Mortal Kombat. Yeah, hmm. they said more people streamed Mortal Kombat, which I'm not gonna lie, I watched Mortal Kombat like three times the first. Well, time. <laughs> can't get enough shirtless Louis Tan. Got, in your got life, some right? hotties in there. Yes, everybody, not just Louis Tan. A lot, a lot of hot men in that movie. Yeah, Ludi Lynn, right? Everyone, everyone is shirtless and hot. But yeah, it's just wild to think that Mortal Kombat right now has the highest like opening weekend on HBO Max, like for highest streams hmm. and there's some people who are upset about that because they're like hey, that movie wasn't even that great and... well but but that's a good you know hmm. thinking of that like the way these movies bookend the the coronavirus and speaking of shirtless asian guys simu lu made some news this week when when he kind of uh took umbrage to a disney ceo i don't even know what the ceo is it was like a disney corporate call was it bob Iger? It was Bob Chackick or something his name is. Yeah. So, yeah, if you guys don't know, Disney did a call where they were talking about all their kind of stuff coming up, including Marvel stuff. And basically on the call, they said because of contracts with theaters, they cannot release Shang-Chi simultaneously on Disney Plus like they did with Black Widow. So that is a binding contract. And they're saying, well, we hope we can do a 45-day release in theaters for Shang-Chi and then move it to Disney Plus after the 45 days in it and he did say an experiment so it does kind of come off as like oh they're experimenting with the the Asian movie but it's 
yes, I could say yes, I can see that to an extent, but if they already have existing contracts and they don't want to get in trouble again like they just did with Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> so they're going to unfortunately hold to those contracts and you will not get to see Shang-Chi if you're not going to the theaters. Like, that's the truth. you got to wait 45 days. Like, it sucks because I really do love the option of watching it from home if I want to, but... They made those contracts. Disney's not trying to get in trouble again, so they're going to honor it, and it's you're going to have to wait. It sucks, yeah. but yeah. I mean, I think I'm going to be a bad Asian and take the side of the mega corporate <laughs> behemoth and say, like, it wasn't that big. I don't think there was any malicious intent in what the CEO or whoever the guy on the phone call was talking about. I think it's absolutely true. You have to consider what's going on in the world, and, and putting a movie out without streaming is kind of a... You know, uncharted waters at this point, because we don't know where Delta variant will be on September 3rd. And you don't want them to push the movie again. Right. Like, I don't know. I just felt like the uh, umbrage taken by Simu and some folks on Twitter that was like, you know, how dare you say this was just a little kind of like to me. It wasn't that I I wasn't. I mean, you know, I don't want to be that guy's like, well, I wasn't offended. But like, I didn't see what what the big deal was that like Simu had to like put out this angry tweet yeah i i defiant you know he takes things to heart which and i understand being a person of color working in this industry sure uh, sure really hard i don't but i agree too that i don't think there was any malicious intent behind it they were like unfortunately because of contracts again they don't want to get in trouble like they did with scarlett johansson (laughs) that they're like no we're sorry it has to stay in theaters for 45 days that's why i think it says just says in theaters and not in theaters only because i think only means that there's a longer period of in between it hitting a streaming service then 45 days yeah i mean the theatrical window is like shrinking and they like, there won't they, be one yeah. yes there won't be one in the future <laughs> yeah and i know they kind of said for the call that which has thrown people off that eternals is going to count fiscally for them for 2022 but it is still a planned to come out in november as of right now and then they're still not saying anything about spider-man because i don't know i feel like they're really trying to like figure out how to release a trailer that doesn't over spoil all the good Mm. stuff that they're trying to do with that movie but uh then the case also gets pushed back i feel like it's a part of another reason why they're not releasing a trailer well and and, you know you you mentioned spider-man like venom has already been delayed Delayed. right so like that's this is what i was saying why i was making suicide squad like equivalent to birds break we're at this like bleeding edge of yet another possible shutdown another possible like surge in the coronavirus where we can't just be you know milling about in crowded spaces again to me it just seemed like what they were saying was just reality <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean like it's yeah it's not cool but this is this is something we're, we don't know what to expect right now and what i think the disney guy was actually doing was protecting shang chi because if shang chi opens on september 3rd and people are too scared to go to the theaters and it makes like 20 million dollars you know i think what disney's saying is like hey this is you know we understand this is theatrical only we know people aren't coming out. This is kind of like uncharted territory experimental release strategy right now. Not like fuck the Chinese movie. It's like, yeah. you know, we we understand the reality. And he was I was like lowering expectations because like a Marvel movie opens and it doesn't make a billion dollars. It's a failure. And he I think what he was trying to do was kind of like set the expectation game to be like, hey, we're not going to make a billion dollars. So that's not yeah. going to be considered a failure. Yeah, here, so. and we know that there's people who aren't who do not want to pay the twenty nine ninety nine for Shang Chi if they are doing. We don't know yet if they're doing premium a- access though with it 
coming on to Disney Plus after the theatrical release, which I hope they do just so it can make some more kind of money or at least maybe make it a little bit cheaper than probably people will pay for it yeah, for sure. I think they should fine tune that premium plan. Yeah, I think for maybe this one, lower it just because, again, we're in a pandemic. It's getting worse. People might have to go back to working from home, not working at all. Well, Dominic, you've been an advocate for over a year of we should just get rid of the theatrical window altogether, make everything like the HBO Max style of simultaneous digital theatrical, if you must have theatrical. Where do you fall in this whole experiment controversy by uh, the Shang-Chi people? No, I, 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 I agree with you here. I mean, first, Asian Americans, let's not nitpick on the word, okay? The guy was not like, we didn't put that much thought into the word experiment. We're not saying like we did experiments with, like, with lightning in like a genetics lab. Or <laughs> That's not what we're saying. <laughs> he just used the word that he had to use at the time. But I will say, what I, I, and I, I take the side of Simu Liu's response, I thought was a very good response. I mean, you could look at it as angry and reactive or whatever, but I thought he kind of eloquently offered alternative things to say, like when he spoke of, like, we're the underdogs, we're the ceiling breakers. You know, sort of a more refined way of of framing this experiment thing, just because experiment sounds bad. Mm. But, you know, we, we let, let's remember that for Asian Americans, this is a big deal because one of our biggest problems is in media representations. We don't have... Problems like, you know, all, all non-white people problems are not all the same. We don't have the same socioeconomic problems. We don't have a similar problems, you know, every, but, but we do have a specific big problem in, in media representation. So it's worth remembering that. It's worth so, the star of the movie coming out to remind us of that. This is a big deal for Asian Americans. It's not like something that's, it's, it's not like something you just sweep under right, the rug. Right, right. But I think what rubs me the wrong way, and, you know, I apologize. I don't want to have my any kind of, like, anti-Simu hate come my way because I'm not trying to say that I'm against, you know, please, Simu stands, do not at me. <laughs> Simu stands. But I, I think what, what put a bad taste in my mouth with that whole we are underdogs, whatever, which is, like, to your point, a very eloquently put tweet, but also led to a lot of, like, you know, y'all better do what for Shang-Chi what you did for Black Panther. Ooh, and yes, it's just like I have I have words for that. Yeah, yeah that's right. A, that's a poor comparison. Yeah, Very you know what I'm saying? Comparison. But but that's you know, like it was just kind of like the the, the 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 logical next step, I guess, from that tweet was that like basically saying that like Shang-Chi is the Black Panther. And you know, like the only <laughs> the only thing that those two movies have in common is that they're both Marvel superheroes. Like other than that, there's nothing in common between. Well, hey, they're both martial artists. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, I won't go down the road of what they do have in common. <laughs> but but you know, Brittany, you you wanted to jump in on this, like the, yeah. the whole notion of like the 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 fans who who kind of use that tweet as like a, a calling card for like, and I feel like they were like singling out Black Twitter. It's like y'all better support us the way we support you, like as if like Asian Americans are the ones who put Black Panther over. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that people need to realize about black panther why it did so well is because so many black people black people who are not on twitter black people who have never seen a marvel movie before black panther black people have never read a comic book black people are just not on social media showed up for this movie my grandma who really has only seen marvel movies unless me or one of my other like cousins or brothers or whatever forced her to watch movies she doesn't go see marvel movies she went to see Black Panther willingly because she knew what it meant to black people as a community. There was a lot of black people who went to go see it because we understood what it meant as a community. Now, some of us, yes, are online. Some of us, yes, are reading comic books and or at least fans of Marvel movies. 
But that was not the case for every single black person who bought a ticket and showed up for Black Panther. You have to realize a lot of people saw it because they're like, oh, whoa, this is a superhero movie with all black people? When has this ever happened? Like, And that's what you have to realize, that we showed up as a whole community regardless of where we stood with Marvel and comics, you know? and yeah. Or, or even just being online. So that's something that I think people need to understand, that it was not just, like, you know, and there's people who also fundraise money for, like, you know, the Boys and Girl Clubs of America and blah, 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 to be able to take black kids to see this movie, too. Like, there was a lot of stuff that happened with that from the black community trying to support within the community and because we had this representation. So that's why it's, like, saying the black people need, black people need to set a step up and do the same thing for Shang-Chi is not going to be the same because that's not our culture. That's not our personal representation. That's not saying that, no, don't show up for Shang-Chi, but it's just like, it's on, unfortunately, the Asian and Asian American community to step up for your own representation and go see it. And yeah, you know, I mean, and that's the thing. Like it's one thing to like call out your community and say, Hey, come support us. Like that's the whole like premise of the gold open folks, right? Like their, their whole deal is that like, let's bring out the Asian American community. And you know, this seems to always happen now that we're getting more like Asian led content, it's like we always have to put it up against Black Panther for some reason. Because this was the, this was what the people said when Crazy Rich Asians came out, right? Like this is our Black Panther. It's like, you know, I mean, I to be honest, like I feel like the comparison is probably more apt for Crazy Rich Asians in a way because it was the first <laughs> like major big Asian American project, right? Like this this is what what Britney's saying about Black Panther. It's like now we've had like several <laughs> since Crazy Rich Asians. Like I don't know why Shang Chi has to be black panther too so i don't know yeah it's really it's it's really a silly thing to say i mean it, it's it's not one-to-one and like don't make this like simple knee-jerk thing like oh black people have to just show up for shang chi what's that even mean because right. because asian people like like the black also panther. <laughs> also went to see black panther which almost everybody did yeah that movie made two billion dollars that's everybody nonsense saw black panther I mean, I, I, I don't know. Reading Twitter lately, I'm a little concerned about the ablation that is the black American and Asian American relations. For, like, I see some beefs, like, being started that remind me of, like, Russian troll-type beefs, as if to incite dissent and something hard to argue about. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little concerned about this. Mm. I don't know. And that's why I'm glad we have things like this Nerds of Color show. Which is, <laughs> that's why, yeah, we, we celebrate all people. Yeah, Very much I... that see them, black Americans and Asian Americans in content, if in form, if not in content. Sorry, I was blabbering. Go on. <laughs> I was going to say, I want to make clear, though, I personally am showing up for Shang-Chi. He's one of my favorite characters in the comics, regardless of how people feel about Simu. <laughs> I want to see it. I like him. I know people don't like him. I just think he's a very sensitive person, so yeah. I kind of let him, like just be his own thing and not really i like him too i think keith keith is the guy who talks shit what What? again (coughs) oh oh, sorry that never happened sorry that never happened that never happened (laughs) i forgot that was a snapchat no i genuinely (laughs) like him though he's just i just i am i he's fine i agree that yes he's a little sensitive but i like him i think he's great and i'm really hoping that he will you know have the career i hope he will get from this movie but I can't say that it's the responsibility of all other black people to go support this movie. Like I plan yeah. to do it. You know, I mean, I don't. For what it's worth, I don't know if this Asian guy is going to be supporting Shang Chi when it comes out, at least because I don't I'm not. I'm not. You know, I went to see Snake Eyes in the theater. I think I'm my 
quota for going to the theater to see a movie has been reached. Oh, so yeah. I will wait the uh, 45 days if need be to see it. Unless Disney, yeah. hey, unless you have screeners to send out, I will be happy to watch Shang-Chi on the screener. But other than that, I may I yes, may be waiting to till. That. And we'll promote it in our at-home kind of way. I heard they're not sending out digital screeners no, to critics for this movie. And it's just like, well, there's a lot of critics who are people who have, you know, uh, immune issues or are disabled and going to a movie right now in the pandemic is not for them. So you should be sending out digital screeners to critics right now. Like, I I don't know. And not doing that is going to help. It's going to, like, not help you because that means more people are not getting reviews about if they should go see this movie or not. And you're not helping by, like, not sending out digital screeners to people. I, I just, I don't know. Very head-scratching stuff that's going on. Heads are being scratched. Can I add a couple things on that topic? Oh, yes, I mean, one for thing it. I wanted to say that, I mean, so just on a practical level, a lot of the organizing in-person stuff that people did around Black Panther's release that enabled to have such a big box office impact obviously is just not possible, just not practically possible right now. We can't have the parties, this sort of special gatherings, you know, that people organize to go see. So... Forget about that. That's not even something that can be compared because it's not possible to do that kind of street-level box office opening for Shang-Chi. But one thing when I was reading all this stuff about the experiment stuff that hit me that I didn't quite realize before was that I believe all this is Marvel being really worried about Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay, do you... Did, did, did oh, we speak more about that. I don't... Well, how, I mean, how is in, it related? In the sense that... When you said, when they talk about things like experiment, and again, this goes to the pandemic, pandemic thing. When we get talk about this large pandemic problem of whether we're going to have hybrid releases or only in theaters, Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be a huge movie, or it's supposed to be a huge movie. You know, Shang-Chi, maybe. Eternals, maybe. Spider-Man No Way Home should be a gigantic movie. If something happens... I mean, that, I'm just saying that's the one they're really putting all their marbles on, right? So yes, they are going to use these first two movies come out comes out in a way experimenting to see how they can prepare for what should be the hugest movie of the year coming out in the time which might be peak pandemic part two. Do you, you know what I'm saying? I, I think all this is dancing around. They're not, and that's why they haven't released a trailer. This is. I feel like there's. A couple of reasons why they haven't released sure. the trailer. Oh, I no, agree that it's one of it. That part of the pandemic and they're not sure if it's releasing in this year is part of why we haven't seen it in the Spider-Man. And number two is I really think they don't know how to cut a trailer without it giving away too much. And there's some things that they probably want to... I think that's right too, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, even if all of the speculation or even half of the speculation is true of who's going to be in this movie, they're trying really hard to, like, keep it under wraps. Because we usually get a trailer for a Marvel movie when yeah. they are in additional filming and reshoots, which I don't know if they finished additional filming and reshoots, but we know as of like last week or the week before they were doing that for Spider-Man. We haven't got a trailer, so I think they're not sure they're even gonna what how they're even gonna release it. I think they're really not sure, and they are literally using Shang-Chi and Eternals to test the waters, because yeah, you know, because just because they have a lot more marbles invested in Spider-Man than. Those two other movies. I mean, well, added wrinkle to Spider Man is that it's technically still a Sony release. Like, like I don't know how much Disney oh, has. Right. Sorry. You know. I may have been, maybe you know what I'm, I'm saying? But no. But I yeah. think. But I think there's there's definitely a, a correlation. But you know, in terms of like looking at the marketing, you know, like 
Venom's delay. You know, it's it's interesting. It's the the movie's called Let There Be Carnage, but like not that much carnage because we don't want to be <laughs> we don't want to be put in theaters and, and causing a lot of carnage. If I'm sorry, bad joke, but, and tasteless, <laughs> too soon. But, is uh, actually going to happen too. But we don't <laughs> like talk like about literally, that. let there be carnage. Yeah, people are just fucking losing their shit in airplanes and restaurants. That's going to wait. Wait, I'm sorry, and I promised myself I would never ask this question again. But is the freaking next Spider-Man movie just like full Sony Sony Marvel hybrid? Well, I think the the way the way the Sony Marvel contract works is that basically Sony's allowed to have Marvel characters in their movie and be considered part of the Marvel universe, you know, officially, unlike Venom, right? Like Venom is yeah. Sony only. They're in association with Marvel. They're not actually part of the Marvel continuity. The Spider-Man movies are, so yeah. therefore they, they like they're basically leasing like Tony yeah. Stark and in this case Doctor Strange in their movie, right? And right. then and then in exchange, we get to have Spider-Man in our Avengers movie, right? Like right. but but the Spider-Man solo movie is always going to be a Sony property until the contract is up, which it was. And there was that whole thing about like, we're going to take Tom Holland out of the Marvel universe before they reached a deal to make this movie. But Marvel Studios has an interest in it as a financial. Sure, right, like, right, it's right, not right. like they don't care what happens right, right, to the right. Spider-Man movie. No, so no, I think right. they're. Right. I think that's right. They're talking about it. It won't be on it. Disney Plus, so that's. It won't right. be on Disney, and they can't. Right. Well, that's what I was getting at or... too. Like because it's a Sony only distribution yeah. property. Even if they wanted to put it on streaming, there is no place to put it on. Didn't streaming they cut a deal with Netflix to put the right. Spider-Man movies and I, on there? I guarantee Disney would be like, "No, you are not having a no. simultaneous Spider-Man no. release on Netflix of no, all places." Right? They like, would right? Raise hell. Yeah, they would. Right. They would. They would prevent because disney they, would prevent that from they happening. get some of the so, money from the release so they would raise hell if that happened yeah. right so even more so they're getting locked into this thing of only in theaters december when we said it was but it might not even come out then because they've already pushed back venom and venom right. is sony and then but here's the thing though right. michael keaton is in the venom movie so i'm very <laughs> curious as to is it also Is Michael Keaton in the Venom movie? He's in the yes. Morbius movie for sure. I know that he's, he's in, in the... he's, he's in every movie, man. He's, yeah. he's in Flashpoint, okay. he's everywhere he's in all things. In, yeah, he's also in the Flash. <laughs> the funny thing is he's playing Batman in Venom and he's playing Vulture in, in Flash. It's really weird. You're making stuff up now. No. Now well no in a what if universe, I'm sure there is a, a Jeffrey Wright narrated universe in which Batman shows up in a Spider-Man. I'm sorry, well, we got off track. <laughs> yeah, that's, was, well, that's a great segue. And and segues that you point out as great segues are, are rarely great segues. So, we wouldn't be a hard knock life if we didn't talk about the latest Marvel Disney Plus show to drop. And, and we are in the wake of the most recent, which is a new one. We have a new series, like Loki's over, and now it's the What If world. And, you know, I think a lot of folks, when What If was announced, thought it was just, okay, they're just going to do animated show not realizing how connected to the like you know overall cinematic universe it was going to be and i think it actually is the perfect next step after loki mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because loki breaks the multiverse and now we have watu telling us like here are all the things that are happening in those fragmented time streams that we saw at the end of loki and in one in the first one i think it was a great episode I, I was actually hesitant going into what if because i didn't think i would like the animation because it reminded me of resistance and i know star wars resistance was a great show i was just put off by the animation so i never got into it ah same the animation for what if looked very similar and i wasn't sure i was going to get into it but like quickly i got adapted i think it helped to have 
you know, them basically reboot and remix one of my favorite MCU movies, the first Captain America. And that, you know, they a lot of it was like shot for shot. So I, before I get into it, like, what did you guys think of the first episode of What If and the uh, creation of Captain Carter? I loved it. It was so much fun because I really like Haley Atwell. She mm. just she's so good. And I know that she keeps coming back for like Peggy every time. And I don't know. I liked it. It makes me really like kind of mad that her show isn't canon, even though Jarvis from the show showed up in Endgame. Oh, anyways, it was mm. really great. I loved her. Um, I the guy who actually voiced Steve did like a pretty good like. Yeah, surprisingly pretty good, Chris Evans. Yes, I was really surprised it wasn't him. It's so funny. Well I here. thought he sounded more like Chris Evans than Sebastian Stan sounded like Sebastian Stan. Yes, and it was actually Sebastian yeah. Stan. <laughs> but I I liked it, and I oh Jeffrey Wright just narrating like the first part of the show i was like "Ooh, this just sets the tone so well i love jeffrey wright he's one of like my favorite actors so so he was good but i'm very curious as to what it means for his character at the end of this in this show because he's like even though i see all these things happening in all these universe i cannot and i will not intervene but he says it twice so which I'm means he will. Like, he hmm. will. I mean, in the comics, Uatu intervenes all the damn time, right? Like that was like he'd be a really boring character in the comics. If he so didn't. I'm very curious what's going to be his breaking point, which obviously is going to be the last like episode, I would assume. But I'm just like, hmm. And now he's going to be what in both universes live action? I'm very curious. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. You know, he's Commissioner Gordon. Right. And we've seen Watchers in live action. If you remember in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I believe. Yes. We see Stan Lee talking to the Watchers. So it's yeah. like they do exist in the live action verse yes, as well. Yes, they do. So I'm very curious to what's going to happen. I just love Jeffrey Wright. So I'm just like, I I want to see him in everything. That dude is great. Everything. High quality. Were you into Captain Carter, Dominic? Uh, I didn't watch it, my dad. I just no, read about it on social media. <laughs> how dare you? Go ahead. Do you guys talk about it? I mean, I liked how... It was like a remix of First Avenger. And you know what was what was also cool, Deep Cut? It took me a while because at first I was thinking, wait, did they just recast Tommy Lee Jones as Bradley Whitford? And then I remembered mm. that Bradley Whitford was in an Agent, the first Agent Carter Marvel one-shot, which was like their short film that was attached to one of their DVDs. Before, that was basically the pilot to like the, yes. the series that, that Britney I talks love, about. It's really great. Yeah, and Bradley Whitford was like the male chauvinist boss who mm-hmm. kind of dismisses Peggy. Right. And it was kind of cool they brought him in as the... Because if you go back and watch that first episode of What If Again, you see that Tommy Lee Jones' Colonel Phillips it's dies in the explosion. Yeah. He is there, but he dies in the explosion. And so like Bradley Whitford takes that role because they couldn't bring Tommy Lee Jones back. Because he, he doesn't even know he was in that first Captain America movie, right? Like if you ask him like, Tommy Lee Jones, what is it feeling to be in a Marvel movie? He's like, I wasn't in a Marvel movie because <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. But so it was kind of cool they brought Bradley Whitford in and he kind of reprises the character that he played in this to, to bring together the entire continuity of Marvel, you know, cinematic universe. Let's pluck the guy from the one shot that was attached to a Thor DVD or whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like have yeah. him reprise his role. But it's really good, Dominic. You should watch it. No, I'm going to. I was I was just watching the Harley Quinn cartoon instead. I, I, I'm totally for the idea. I like the idea of What If. I'm not not watching it for a reason. I, I think, think it's the think cool. next episode of What If is it's Black Panther. Yeah. Well, it's T'Challa. Well, Star T'Challa, Lord. right. And it is going to be the last performance from Chadwick Boseman. So I know is I'm going right? to be very wow. emotional. Yeah. Wow. Yes, because yeah. What If was the last thing he actually worked on. So wow, that is going to be all 
that's all we're going to get from him again. Um, well, and maybe not, because I think to your point, Brittany, I think it's not an anthology series. I think the final episode is all of these random multiverse bits somehow coming together. So we may see T'Challa come back. Yes, but this is the after. last project he has done. For right, right, sure. yeah, right. What if it's the last project? That might, the episode he's on next week may not be the last mm-hmm. time we hear Chadwick in a Marvel That would be property. great. Maybe. This, I didn't realize that. this project, regardless, well, hopefully he will come back in one more episode. But yeah, this is definitely like the last thing that we will see of him. Yeah. Or hear of him, actually. So I'm just emotional thinking about it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Gone too soon. For sure. I'm reminded of this isn't a perfect analogy, but like Orson Welles' last performance being in Transformers the movie and voicing <laughs> a giant robot. I mean, just when, you know, a very famous actor, a celebrity of great renown, sometimes their final performances voicing Cartoon. an animated series, which you wouldn't normally think of, but in this case. Looking forward to that. That would be great. So we'll end it there uh, and go to what's nerd popping. Let's start with you, Brittany. What's nerd popping? Well, <laughs> stunt coordinator for Iron Fist. I believe his name is Brett. Brett Chan. Brett Chan. He was on a podcast or YouTube interview, both. I'm not sure. One, something like that. And he admitted that Finn never showed up for training. <laughs> was very, like, not willing to really work with, you know... The stunt team and whatnot and but jessica hendwick was training every day four hours a day and like it shows and it was it's just so frustrating because so many people like to pull the story of like oh no he just like got cast like six weeks before filming so he didn't have enough time to train and blah 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 i don't think that i really it's bullshit i'm sorry especially when you have jeff Loeb who made it clear that he had issue with asian people and like, I'm sorry, there's no way. And, like, I would say yes, no, it's not Finn Jones alone that made the first season of Iron Fist terrible. It was Scott Buck as well. Yes. But I just feel very vindicted in the fact that, no, he was a terrible Iron vindicated. Fist. Vindicated. Just... Did I say it wrong? Yeah. You, 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 sound, you sound vindictive, but you were vindicated. Uh, vindictive or vindicated. I wasn't sure which one. <laughs> yes. Well, you know the word I mean. <laughs> but it's just nice to know that I was right in the sense that he was not ever like gonna be the right iron fist and and i'm not gonna lie before like we saw like set footage and stuff of finn i was like no i think he'll do great he'll be fine he's great on game of thrones and then you know completely he did not do great so it's it's nice to know that you know they really did fumble that is a really funny anecdote and because you can so tell just watching it you can so tell iron fist scenes are not that great and Jessica Hendwick's scenes are pretty good. Yeah, it's so odd. And there's people who are like, no, they're trying to lie on Finn. And I'm like, no, they're not. Like, you need to. I'm sorry, you guys. He still has defenders. Set. Like, no, yes. no pun intended. So, he so still has yes. defenders. Yeah, they held him up that whole show. Didn't you watch it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, there is someone who, like, I don't know what their Twitter name was. But, like, they were like, no, like, people keep lying on Finn. And I'm like, no, I, I think As far as I'm concerned, Jessica Hendwick is the only Iron Fist that exists. I don't even know who this Finn yeah. Jones person you're that talking was, about. That was, the best thing, that was the best thing that came out of those two seasons. I thought Iron when the guy said uh, Iron Fist wasn't very good on the show, I was like, what are you talking about? Jessica Hendwick was great Jessica on the show. Jessica was great. And she wore and she something is close to the costume. Yeah. And freaking, it, again, you can't overstate what an outlier Iron Fist is. It's just like, because it's not that good, except for Jessica Hendwick. And all the other Marvel series are pretty good. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird. <laughs> it, it it frustrates me. There's people who still defend it and like, no, he's a great uh, he's a great Iron Fist. I'm like, no, he was not. He was terrible. They need to Wait, cast who, someone Who are we else. talking about again? Milton? We're, no, we're, yeah, what? we're talking about Milton. Who's Milton? The, the Milton, Milton of the Marvel Milton. Universe. Milton of that. Yeah. Some no, guy who died Milton. in Ben Jessica Henwick. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. We like Milton. You can't. Oh, that's true. Milton. You're right. I'm so I'm sorry, Milton. That's disrespectful. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely oh, yeah. right. I take that back. Milton is great. Respect Milton. We won't, we won't but I don't confused. know who this person you're talking about is. But yes, I'm just glad that that confirmed what everyone, most people <laughs> believe, except for the few set of people who are, yeah. you know. Those people don't have eyes, because if you watched Fire Fist, you would see that the white guy with the giant tattoo on his chest was terrible. Yeah. Domino, what's nerd popping? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, yeah, so many feelings. Vind- vindication of one of those feelings. Oh, speaking of World of Wakanda-related things, Marvel's Avengers video game this week is going to come out with a big expansion pack, which includes Black Panther as a playable character and includes Wakanda as a new mission uh, that you can go through. And for video game heads that are interested in this sort of stuff, it's a big deal. Me and Jamal will probably do some covering of that on the blog and other places. But just to sum up, basically, you know, the Marvel's Avengers video game is very erratic might be a nice play to put it (laughs) it has some parts that are pretty good and then a lot of it kind of sucks and a lot of people observed that uh it's sort of most fun as a kamala khan campaign game that's sort of the most solid part of it is you play through as miss marvel and so this is this is a fairly big deal uh, because i'm excited to play as black panther so we'll see how that goes what's third popping with you keith so I'm going to take it out of the Marvel Universe because I feel like whenever I'm not around, this show becomes a Marvel only. Although last week you talked about Suicide Squad, so I appreciate you bringing DC back into the fold. But I will remove the nerd pop and stuff out of the Marvel and put it right smack dab back into DC and talk about a show that I had reservations about when it first came out two years ago. And I'm actually back on board and I I, I really like season two. And so far, digging season three, the first three episodes dropped on HBO Max mm. this weekend. I'm talking about Titans. And, you know, I love how it kind of redefined itself in season two. Because in season one, it was kind of like going for that whole grim dark fuck Batman, sticking garden shears up people's crotches kind of aesthetic. Damn. And season two kind of lightened up a little bit right like it was more about the team because like i don't think they said the word titans in the whole of season one right and in season two it was like oh actually there was a whole team titans team we have a tower and everything and you know season two felt more like a teen titan show they, i think it's still like you know unnecessarily r-rated because some properties in the dc universe lend themselves to an r-rating suicide squad definitely an r-rated property harley quinn i can see having an r-rated you know aesthetic the teen titans never (laughs) came off to me as like an r-rated you know whatever but i've gotten over my prudish like can't stand hearing the f-bomb come out of robin's mouth type thing it's fine i've tuned that out it's totally cool now and i really like it and and one of the things that i like about the season so far is that they're doing essentially the under the red hood story so spoiler if you know jason todd was a big part of season two the main bad guy so far is Red Hood. So, like, you do the math. What happens to Jason Todd in, in this season? But I think so far they've done a really good job. They've introduced Barbara Gordon. And she's the Oracle version of Barbara Gordon. And they cast an actual disabled actress to play her, which is cool. That's something that I've always fan cast when when thinking of doing an Oracle Bar- Barbara Gordon to actually 
cast a, a disabled actress to, to play the part, and they did that here. The addition of Superboy last year and Crypto have been, like, my favorite parts of the mm. show. Like, I really... Crypto is actually my favorite character on Titans. And uh, I, I really like it. I'm not going to spoil it because I know you guys haven't watched it yet. And if anyone out there has yet to tune into Titans, I suggest skip season one. Like, I don't think you need season <laughs> one. I, I liked well, season one. Really? I, I, I didn't liked like the one. first two. I think the second season is definitely better. Yeah. I yeah. did like the first season. That's another show that I actually happened to watch with my mom. So I can't, like, <laughs> watch it yet. And the right, thing right. was, when I put it on, I didn't think she was going to watch it. She was at first in the other room doing other stuff. And then she's like, oh, what are you even watching right now? I'm like, Titans. And she's like, oh, what is that? I'm like, it's a superhero show. She's like, oh. She sat down with me. She's like, I really like this. Let's watch more. So huh. it, it just turned out that my mom liked it a lot. So that's why now we watch it together and I can't watch it. I'll, I'll say one more thing about season three, though, Brittany, that I think you will appreciate having watched the first two. Is uh-huh. that the first two seasons, of course, were on DC Universe first, which was DC's fledgling you know, streaming service, yeah. which they've gotten rid of and now it's just a comics reading app season three is very much an hbo max production and it looks like it like nice the budget has oh, increased by like tenfold That's what and I'm, you can tell you can tell like like five minutes into the episode you're like oh they got real money now hmm. that's there's what i'm great, looking forward to there's a great scene in the beginning of, the, of episode one where you see the titans actually take down oh what's his name he's one of the uh, hive villains Oh, I forgot who he was. Like, if you watch Teen Titans Go, you'll recognize him right away. He's got the he's the one with the goggles. Anyway, Gizmo. They take down Gizmo, Gizmo. from the hive. And and it's a great like again, they they work as a team. You see Beast Boy do his thing, Starfire does her thing, Superboy Crypto like they're all participating. There's a great like, you know, Nightwing fight scene. It's really cool. And and I didn't think I'd come around on Titans and I have. And and so far season 3 has been really good. I can't wait for Doom Patrol, though. That yeah. show is just... Oh, and that's well, coming back in a couple weeks, too. So, oh, yeah, cool. HBO Max, and I'm sure HBO Max, you'll see its imprint on Doom Patrol when it comes back. Because DC Universe was, you know, as try as they might, they had, I'm sure, budget constraints. HBO money's a whole other ball of wax. Yes. And, and it definitely... Should. I mean, you know, it, it looks more expensive than the CW shows, right? CW shows the budget. Oh, you can yeah. clearly see. And, and, yeah, HBO is the perfect place for it, and... I, I again watch it. It's really good, and I'm I'm a fan. I I can't believe I'm saying I'm a fan of Titans. It sort of fits better on right. HBO Max. I think part of when I remember talking with you about it, it seemed a little disconnect when they were rolling out DC Universe, which no longer exists in that form. It seemed a little too harsh to have this edge lordy angry version of DC, of the DC team on DC Universe. But to me, when I just say it out loud, yeah, you know, kind of hard angry Titans <laughs> work. It totally sounds like a Cinemax show, an HBO well, Max show. Yeah, and I think to your point, like DC Universe, when that was the first original on DC Universe, it was next to like Wonder Woman and yeah. Lois Weird. and Clark. Weird. And like it was this kind of like wholesome DC shows and then fuck Batman. Right? Yeah. Like it just didn't fit. Whereas like on HBO Max, like it's <laughs> next to the Suicide Squad. Like if you go every to the, other violent DC right. show. Or <laughs> if you go to the DC every hub other violent talking, HBO show. <laughs> right. If you go to the DC hub I was talking about, it's like Suicide Squad and Titans. It's like, oh, that makes sense as a pair, yes, right? It's a good so, pairing. So yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten. I think I've gotten over my issues with R-rated DC properties, and it's fine. But whatever, I don't care. I always thought the thing with Titans was not going to be that it was be too violent, but it, that it would be too sexy, sexual, as right? Far right? Because the think, right. Do you think they're going to ramp up the sexiness? I mean, I mean, it's fairly sexy show, but I mean, yeah, know, there's a lot of banging. It, there's a lot okay, of boning on cool. the show. 
Um, yeah, no, no, no and yeah, there's a there's great. a little bit of nudity. Spoiler alert, Brittany. No. I don't know what you feel about Alan Richardson as a hot guy. Which was that? He's a hawk. Oh, hawk. he's okay. Okay, because uh, he he gets he gets he's real big. Naked. He's he's a big dude. He just gets real naked in this episode. Cool. So. <laughs> I don't know. He's one of those okay, dudes no. who I understand everyone's appeal, but he doesn't. I like dudes who seem like they're tortured and sad. Oh, like okay. Pete Davidson and like Adam Driver. <laughs> right. And then there's Lewis Tan. So yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Even though okay. He well, I was just gonna. I was just putting it out there. Like he gets super naked in episode three. So. Okay. And then like they show all the bits. So it's like, oh, okay. That's that's what we're doing now. On that. That's why we love HBO. It's like it's like the, you can't show you can't show a silhouette of Bruce Wayne's cock in the comics, but like Hawk's cock in live action. Sure, why not? Cock and dove. <laughs> <laughs> oh episode title maybe probably not probably but maybe not. <laughs> maybe someday i love how it'll just get all the way to the end and they're like wait it took that long for the title <laughs> to pop up wait, what does this mean <laughs> Brittany, how can people find you on the internet you can find me at hi Brittany monet you can also follow my other podcast at naomi podcast which is the double stream for Naomi podcast and the Lituation Room which we just recorded the first episode for Lituation Room yesterday so that should be out soon and eventually Naomi podcast will come out closer to when it's time to do a season zero basically because that show's not coming out till like sometime next year so that's what's going on with me cool 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 Dominic I'm Dom Ma on Twitter or Instagram and I also write stuff for the Nerds of Color blog I am Keith Chow you can follow me at the real Chow on Twitter the underscore real underscore Chow and at real Keith Chow on Instagram follow the pod at the Nerds of Color and go to hardknockmedia.com to find this and all the podcasts in the Hard Knock family subscribe to our YouTube channel youtube.com slash the Nerds of Color buy merchandise at T Public. support us on Patreon and until next time. Justice for Black Art's face. Yes. Bye. Poor face. Watch it on your screen, hit play, so check. This is the hard knock life, but not the chicken kind. More like the people.